Well, again, I want to say happy Father's Day. If you're sitting next to a father, look him right in the eyes and tell him dads are awesome. Oh, come on, do it. He needs to hear it. Dads are awesome. I don't mind saying that because I am one, right? <laughs> Guys, uh, we're so honored that you're here on this Father's Day. I'm excited about this message uh, we're going to be teaming up on today. Uh, there are times as a dad, I look at my two daughters. I've I got a 9-year-old and an 11-year-old, two beautiful little girls. And I look at them sometimes, and I don't know if you ever feel this way. I can't speak for you, but, but personally, I feel inadequate sometimes as a father. I feel like I look at them, and I want to be a better dad. <laughs> I wish I could be a better dad, you know? And it's not just when it comes to, to being a father. There's so many different areas of life. I'll look at my wife sometimes and just feel the same way. I wish I, wish I could be a better husband. I go to work and feel like I wish I could be a better pastor. I, I do this in so many different areas of my life. I don't know if you ever feel that way, but kind of uh, around this whole theme and looking at this today in honor of Father's Day, we're going to be talking about the relationships we need around us that will help us grow in those areas. Because the Bible makes it very clear that, that you're not going to grow in any one of these areas on your own, but we need people around us. If you want to be a better father, if you want to be a better mother, if you want to be uh, a better uh, boss or employee, if you want to be better in any area of your life, it takes other people around you and relationships around you to help you grow in those areas and become better in those areas. In fact, did you know that in the Old Testament, the Bible says that Abraham was a friend of God, that God called him a friend. Think about that for a moment. When I read that, it, it makes me think a couple things. First off, I want to be someone that God calls a friend. You know, wouldn't it be yeah. neat to have a relationship so intimate and so close with God where God's like, oh, that's my friend Dan down there. Wouldn't, think of the impact that that would have on your life. In every area of your life, the impact, of what, what it, would it mean if God looked at you and said, yeah, that's my friend? Well, he offers that type of close, intimate relationship with us. So first off, I want to be close to God that way. But then second, if we go, wait a minute, the God of this universe has friends. What would make me think that I could go through life on my own? Why, why would I try? If God has friends, why would I think that somehow I could try to make it as a loner on my own? No, in fact, we see that in the Bible we have a need for friends. Uh, some great examples of it. If we look all the way back into uh, Exodus, Exodus chapter 17, uh, we see Moses, who was the leader over Israel for a period of time. When he was the leader, uh, he had friends around him that supported him and helped him when he needed it. In fact, in Exodus 17, talks all about the fact that the Israelites were going into battle and they were fighting their enemy. And when, when they were fighting, he went up on the mountain to pray. And as he was praying, he'd hold his arms up towards heaven and pray. And while he was praying, the Bible says that the Israelites were defeating the enemy. They were winning. They were, there was victory happening. But then it, the Bible says that he grew weary and his, his arms began to fall down to his sides. And as he got tired and, and his arms fell to his sides and he stopped praying, that we see the opposite happen. And then the enemy began defeating the Israelites. So he recognized how important it was that he was up there praying. So he did everything he could to hold his arms up. And the Bible says that he just couldn't do it anymore. And his arms were dropping. And then the Bible says that two men, Aaron and uh, is it her? Yeah, Aaron and her both came and grabbed his arms and held his arms up. They, they basically said, you know what? We're not going to let you go through this on your own. Uh, so we're going to shoulder the weight for you and we're going to support you here. We see what you're doing is important. I love you. So they held his arms up so he could continue praising and worshiping God through that entire difficult time that he went through. So we have a need for friends. We've got to understand the Bible makes it clear there is no such thing as a self-made spiritual giant that 
that we need other people around us if we're going to grow. In fact, we see uh, King David had a close friend named Jonathan. He was there th- with him through the tough times. Moses had Aaron and her. Ecclesiastes 4.9 says this, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him back up. But pity the, uh, uh, but pity the man who has no one to help him up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm, given if they're married. <laughs> um, but how can one, yeah, <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with that. <laughs> but how can one keep warm alone? The one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves, and a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Guys, it's so important here. He's saying, you got to listen to me. Going through life on your own, you're going to face difficulties. You're going to fail. You're going to get stuck in places where you're not going to make it. You have to have close relationships in your life if you want to grow. So today, in honor of Father's Day, we're going to talk about the five friends that every father needs if he wants to grow. But this isn't just for dads. This is for any one of us in this room. If you want to grow in your life, these are the five friends you have to have. And really, it's more like five characteristics, because it doesn't necessarily have to be five different people. You might have one friend who has three of these characteristics. You might have another friend who has the other two. So this might be found in only like two or three people, but, but it's five different right. characteristics. Okay, so these five characteristics that you're looking for in other people, because all of us have to have friends. Like he just said, you know, a couple of them can you know, cover two of these characteristics for you. But, but you need at least enough people to cover them all. Does that make sense? And when you're looking for these people, because you can have all kinds of people in your life, look for fun people. Look for people that make you laugh who have these characteristics. You don't want another dry person in your life. Dry people are not fun. There's enough serious people out there. These people that you're going to tuck in for the rest of your life, they need to make you laugh. You need to make them laugh. You need to enjoy being around them. Nobody wants a dry waitress. What do you want? All right, I'll get it. That's not on the menu. I'll be right back. (laughs) Nobody wants a dry hairstylist. Two hours in a chair just listening to somebody gripe. What do you know about hairstylists? I don't know anything about. I'm trying to relate. (laughs) People want people in their life that will make them laugh. You don't want to be married to a dry wife who's just serious all the time or a husband who's serious all the time. You want people that are fun. When you think back on your... Uh, school days, the people, the teachers you remember the most, they weren't the ones that just pounded the information into you. You may or may not remember that information. I guarantee you don't remember the teachers. It was the teachers that were fun, that enjoyed it, that made it creative, those, those teachers that came into the classroom and just lit the room up. The Bible says this concerning laughter and fun. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 22. A happy heart is good what? Come on, a happy heart is good what? Medicine. Medicine. And a cheerful mind works healing, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. When you're looking for these type of people in your life to bring these type of characteristics that you and I so badly need, look for somebody who's fun, somebody you can laugh with. One of the people in my life that I have laughed at, I mean, that I have laughed with for many, many years has been my son, Dan. Laughed at? Hold on a minute. He has been somebody that has brought me a tremendous amount of joy, a tremendous amount of laughter. And um, one of the things we do every year that we just love to do together is we love to go hunting. And we'll go up to Peonia. we got a little 16-foot small uh, camper that we use for fishing and hunting, very, very little. And we'll pull it up there, and, 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 and we'll hunt and fish from time to time. And this particular hunt that took place about four years ago, 
we were uh, going out very early in the morning, woke up about 4 o'clock, and I think we finally headed out of the camper around 5, and it was a miserable day. One of those days it was raining, and it was cold outside. But we, we got out there, we hunted, didn't see any game, miserable day, so we were freezing to death. So about 8, 30, 9 o'clock, we were making our way back to this little camper, and as we got inside, we were soaking wet. So, man, I took all my clothes and put on some more clothes, and Dan stripped down into his boxers, right? So now don't don't picture Sorry about that, guys. Yeah, don't picture this in your head. But saggy cotton boxers and a sixteen. That's enough of a visual. Okay, okay, Thank you. okay. So it's drooping down in the back area. That's all I want to talk about. Get to your point. I'll, okay, I'm going. But they got to be able to understand. So anyway, I was eating myself some cereal sitting at the table. He was bending down over this little tiny refrigerator area, and I'm he was so kind of close quarters with me. And so he's getting into my personal space. I don't want any man in boxer shorts in my personal space. <laughs> so I needed to get his attention and get it quick. So while he's sitting there, and, you know, looking for something to eat, I said, mm, mm, mm. that Amelie is one lucky woman. I, I feel so honored on this Father's Day. Well, Thank didn't, you. I uh, that didn't seem yeah. to phase him any. He just looked at me and rolled his <laughs> eyes. So I reached over, and inside the camper, we had an electric handheld bug zapper. You know what I'm talking about? Like an electric fly swatter. So I took it, and he's walking, you know, looking, he's bending over, looking down there at the, you know, the refrigerator. So I took that fly swatter. I thought it'd be funny if I gave him a little shock, right? So I'm thinking I'm going to touch him on the leg, give him a little shock, and then he'll, you know, you know, go, you know, get some clothes on and stuff. So anyway, I took the fly swatter, and I touched it, this bug zapper, I touched it to the calf of his leg, and it didn't shock him. It went pop and set the hair on his leg on fire. You know, hold on for just a second, because I think some of us will gripe about some complaints about our fathers, but none of you here have had your father light you on fire, okay? <laughs> I didn't know it was going to like light him on fire. I thought it was going to shock him, but it it's lit him on funny. fire. not the, funny. The My little... therapist doesn't think it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> the little hairs on his leg crinkled up like burnt hair, and the whole place smelled like burnt hair after that. But anyway, then he, then he gives me that look, he gives me, he gives me that look, and he said, what are you doing? <laughs> well, he got out of my personal space then, that's all I can tell you. Oh, gosh. <laughs> but you know what he did at 30 years of age? He went home and told his mother on me. <laughs> he told his mom. Dang right, I'm a mama's boy. Yeah. It's all right. You see why I'm not a dad's yeah. boy. So now we've got this rule that nobody can zap anybody else with a bug zapper on bare skin when we're in a hunting camp or something like that. He is, I had to, I had to he, sign it. You're a bully and a baby. His, he picks on me all the time, and then, and then if I ever try to do anything to defend myself, he gets around people and says, oh, oh, wait, oh, I'm a heart patient. I'm a heart patient. <laughs> it's not fair. It's cheap. I got palpitations right now just thinking about it. Good Lord. You know, the Bible, this whole idea about laughter and fun comes from God. Abraham and Sarah had a relationship with, laughter, with God where there was laughter and there was fun. God tells Abraham when he's closing in on 100 and Sarah when she's closing in on 90, you guys are going to have a baby. Now, that's funny right there. I don't care who you are. <laughs> Genesis chapter 18, verse 12, so she laughed. Now, God had just told her she's going to have a kid. She's 90 years old. So she laughed silently to herself and said, 
how could a worn out old woman like me enjoy such pleasure, especially when my master, my husband, he's also an old guy. <laughs> Genesis 18, 13, the Lord talks to Abraham now and says, uh, the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Why did she say, can an old woman like me have a baby? Is there anything too impossible for the Lord? And then the Lord talks to Sarah. Sarah was afraid. So uh, she, uh, she denied it, saying, I didn't laugh. But the Lord said, no, you did laugh. <laughs> right? I didn't do it. No, you did. No, it was somebody else. No, it was you. Right? <laughs> See, God didn't say, you lied to God. I kill you. No. <laughs> this, was, this was a relationship. This was God saying, you laughed about it. No, I didn't. Yeah, you did. And then later on, she has this baby, Genesis 21, verse 6. And Sarah declared, <laughs> God has brought me laughter, and all who hear about this is going to laugh with me. I mean, this is funny. A 90-year-old woman having a baby. Can you imagine us being out in the lobby, and a 90-year-old woman walk up to me with a 100-year-old man on a cane, and I say, hey, how you doing today? She goes, I'm great, Pastor. I'm pregnant. <laughs> There's her tired old husband leaning on a cane right there beside her, 100 years old. Well, what are you guys going to do about it? Well, we're going to go to Baby Gap after this service is over. Then we're going to go to Baby Zara's and pick up a crib. My husband is going to put that crib together right after we have dinner tonight at 4 o'clock. <laughs> God's into laughter. He's into fun. It does good like a medicine. So when it comes to these characteristics, listen, you got enough serious people in your life, and life is serious enough. Find somebody that takes themselves easily. Find somebody that laughs, find somebody that laughs at themselves, and do life with happy, fun people. So there's five characteristics we're going to look for, and we're going to jump into those. But first, here's three principles that the, the Bible makes very clear. I've got these up on the side screens about relationships. One, we can do more for God when we join hands with other like-minded Christians than we can by ourselves. Guys, that makes sense, right? Obviously, I can do more when I have the help of other people. If I join up with other people who love God, I'm going to be more effective in my life. So that brings us to number two. The more effective those people we have as friends, the more effective we become. This is a principle of birds of a feather flock together. It, whoever you hang out with, you're going to be just as effective as they are. So if they're very smart, very wise, you're going to start gr learning and growing that way. If they're getting into trouble all the time, that's, I mean, that's what we talk to our kids about, how important peer pressure is. It's, it's, you start to look like the people that you hang out with. You act like them, you look like them, you suffer the same consequences and the same successes that they have. So since we start to look like the people we hang out with, I've been spending a lot of time recently hanging out with people with full heads of hair. You know, just hoping. But uh, so far it hasn't paid off, but a lot of them are starting to go bald. Um, <laughs> but we got to recognize we start to, we start to look like the people we hang out with. So that brings us to point three. Therefore, the selection of those friends is very important. Guys, it is so important that we have friends. And we need these five different types of friends in our lives. And let, me, let me tell you here, you, you got to protect these relationships when you get them. Because it's a ploy from the enemy to, to try to get you to destroy the relationships that, that he has put in your life to help you grow. Because he knows if you don't have these relationships, you're not going to be growing as much. And you're going you're gonna to suffer in different areas. So, so he shows us these are the things we need. Number one, the five friends every man needs for spiritual growth and every woman needs is a mentor. A mentor. Mentoring is the development of a person over time. 
Discipleship is like when you, when you teach someone through a season of life. You, they, might, they might grow in an area over a short period of time, but mentoring is taking someone throughout a long period of time and helping them learn and grow from you. So a mentor, uh, we see here something uh, kind of tells us about it in Proverbs 13, 20. It says, he who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Looking for a mentor is really looking for a wise person to learn from. You see them, you see their successes and think, I want to have the same success as they have, so I'm going to spend time around them, I'm going to learn from them, I'm going to grow um, by, by taking their teachings to heart. So a great example of this is uh, David. We see in 1 Samuel chapter 17, David was the king of Israel, but before he was a king, he was just a young man, and the Bible says that there was a Philistine giant by the name of Goliath, a huge man. He was very tall, very muscular, very powerful. And, and he, he defied God and he stood in the face of the Israelites. And no one else was willing to go out and fight him. And David said, okay, I'm going to go. I'm sick of him talking about my God this way. I'm going to go. And he went into a battle that many of you have heard and read many different times. But he goes into this battle and he kills a giant and he has great success. And that's what made David famous. In fact, nobody knew who he was until he defeated this giant. Now everyone knew who he was. They were talking about his great success. He faced a very difficult situation and came out on top. So other people looked at that and, and said, you know what? I want to learn from him because I'm going through a difficult time and I want to come out on top. We see this in 1 Samuel chapter 22. It says, David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. When his brothers and his father's household heard about it, they went down to him there. And then it says this, all those who were distressed or in debt or discontented gathered around him and he became their leader. They said, listen, we're messed up. We keep failing in different areas. You're successful, so teach us to be successful. We're going to follow you. We want to learn from you. Be our leader. And after a period of time, we see we jump an entire book ahead in the Bible and go to 2 Samuel chapter 21. The Bible then is talking about other descendants of Goliath. So it's talking about other giants, other men who were very tall, very powerful, very strong. And this is what it says about them, these giants. These four descendants of Rapha, giants, and they fell at the hands of David. And then look what it says here. And his men. You got that? David was a giant slayer. He was a killer. He was a powerful man. He had great success. People saw that said, teach me, mentor me. I want to learn from you. They lived with him. He, they learned from him. And then we see that David wasn't the only person having success anymore. Now it was David and his men. The people he was mentoring, they became giant slayers as well. So looking for a mentor, you look at someone and say, you know what, I see their successes. Maybe areas where I'm not having success in my life, and I want to learn from them. So, so we ask people to be mentors in our lives. And I've had a great privilege in my life to learn um, and be mentored by uh, older men, experienced men. Much, in fact, I've got some men in my life, much, much, much older men. Men like my father. You know, men like his friends. <laughs> and I learned from, from, from older men. You know, people who have gone through some experiences. And if you have a mentor, I want to encourage you to write down their name and, and just do that so you remember, this person is a mentor to me, and you can honor them in that relationship so you can learn from them. And, and if you don't have a mentor, here's four things you need to do in selecting a mentor. Number one, ask the question, do I want to be like this person? You know, if you look at their life, is it, are they living the type of life I want to live? Are they acting the way I want to act, you know? 
Number two, ask the question, does this person's life reflect the life of Christ? And then number three, decide what you want from the relationship. You know, are you, what are you learning from this person? Is this a business relationship where you're being mentored in the business world? Is this a relationship where you're being mentored to be a better father, a better, a better friend, a better husband? You know, because I know people who actually have several different mentors. Someone who mentors them at work. Someone who mentors them uh, in the gym. Someone who mentors them when it comes to being a parent. You know, so you got to decide, you know, what do I want from this relationship? And then number four, accept a learning position from them. The second one we want to do is uh, we want to look for as an encourager. Not just a mentor, but somebody that will come alongside of us and build us up. Somebody that will speak life into our lives. All of us have people in our lives that are critical, people in our lives that can find fault. It's not a hard thing to do. But what you want in this next person or in this person's character is somebody that when you call them, you look forward to the meeting because you know you're going to be built up, you know you're going to be ministered to. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 10 says this, Christ died for us that whether we are dead or alive when he returns, we can live with him forever. So encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. Dear brothers and sisters, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work, who work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. Back it up. So encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. So here the Apostle Paul is giving instructions. Build up each other. Talk positively to each other's life. You can do this. You are more than a conqueror. All you got to do is keep walking and you can get through this. You are a child of God. This is just a season in your life. It is not going to take you out. Those kind of things. Paul said do it and then he encouraged them. He said just as you are already doing. So when he was instructing them, he was also giving them an example of what to do by telling them that they were already doing a good job at this. It's so important that you and I have encouragers in our life. I've got a couple of people that I call when I'm down and I need to have lunch and be built up. And I take them to lunch or I take them to coffee or I'll call them up and say, hey man, why don't you play nine holes with me out on a golf course today? Because I know when I leave that meeting with that, that person, I'm going to feel better, I'm going to feel stronger more encouraged than I was before we got together. Do you have an encourager in your life? You need a mentor. You need an encourager. And then the third you're looking for is a confronter. Do you have anyone who's going to tell you the truth even if it's awkward, even if it's uncomfortable, but they care enough about you to tell you the truth? About five years ago, uh, we finished up a service, and I taught in the service, and then we went out into the lobby, and I began shaking hands with people, and I was out there for like 20 minutes talking to people. You know, 20 minutes out in our lobby, you're going to run into a lot of people and see a lot of people. So I talked to several of you on that day, and, and I was shaking hands, and one person after another, after I'd been out there for 20 minutes, this guy walks up to me, and he kind of whispers, he goes, hey, Pastor Dan. I said, yeah. He goes, oh, your fly's down. I'm like, yeah, you're funny. Yeah. No, look, your fly's down. And I looked, and sure enough, I was embarrassed. I'm standing there with my fly down in the lobby, and oh my gosh. And I was, you know, I was kind of, I was embarrassed a little bit, so I ran off and, you know, took care of getting myself situated again and everything so I could be in public. And I'm like, gosh, I, I so embarrassed myself. And then I left there that day, and I started thinking, wait a minute. Yeah. I don't think it was the guy that embarrassed me. I think it was all of you that didn't tell me my fly was down <laughs> while I was talking to you. In fact, there was just one person that cared enough to tell me that day. And, and I look at that and go, I wonder, do I have people around me who are willing to confront me, even if it's a little bit awkward, because they don't want to see me embarrass myself. They don't want to see me um, hurt myself for sure. The Bible tells us this. It says, Proverbs 27, 5. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend 
can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Yeah, wounds from a friend can be trusted. And we all need that kind of friend. That kind of friend that will enter into the awkward moments with us. And to correct something that we need corrected. We call it around here, we call it saying the last 2%. Going where no one else will go with you and simply telling you something that will make you better. Now, not just trying to look for something going on bad in your life, but respectfully and kindly enter into an awkward moment with you to say, here's an area that you can't see, that you're blind to, and then give you the information. Somebody that will tell you, look, the last time we were in a social setting, you talked way too much. You need to let somebody else in the group tell a story besides you. Your voice doesn't need to be the only voice that's being heard in that social circle. Or somebody that will walk up to you and say, hey, listen, man, at work the other day, you were talking to a female coworker, and you were telling her about problems that you had and issues you had with your wife. And that's not a good place to go. I mean, all you're doing is inviting her to say something negative about her husband, and then, bam, you've got a common denominator where you can continue to talk. So that's not a safe thing to do. So don't do that, and I'll keep you in check that you don't do that to a person of the opposite sex again. Or somebody to say to you, I saw you on social media the other day. I looked at your Facebook page, and you had way too much personal information put out there on social media. Social media is not a safe place for you to share that kind of information. Don't do that anymore. Take down the site. Do whatever you got to do. But somebody that, have you ever thought to yourself, something's wrong, and I can't figure it out? A really close, trusted friend will go into that awkward place and tell you what you just can't see and understand in the moment. It's important. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about criticism on the weekend, and, um, and confrontation and criticism are different because criticism always comes to tear down. You know, my, my words are not meant to do anything other than, than hurt you, to break you down, but confrontation only comes for the purpose of trying to, to make things better, trying to build a person up. In fact, if you ever find yourself in a situation where you need to have confrontation with uh, a friend, someone you love, there are kinda, there's a 3T principle that helps you remember how to act in a confrontation, as well as when you look at the other people who are confronting you in different areas in your life, you need to make sure they're doing these three things or, or they shouldn't be the one that's confronting you. Number one, T is tears. Number two is timing. And number three is trust. So tears means like, does this person really care about me? Is what's hurting me hurt them? Are they shedding tears over the fact that they're, they're not happy about the fact that they have to have conflict, but they, they're trying to fix something there. Do they care? And then the timing thing. Will this person confront me in a time where it's going to help me or where it's going to hurt me? Yeah. You know, because the same confrontation, if it comes in the wrong timing, can be very hurtful to a person. If it's done in front of people that it shouldn't be done in front of or something like that. You know, so we've got to ask the, the tears, the timing. Then thirdly is, do I trust this person? Because we've got to say, you, you might be receiving confrontation from someone, and, and you have to ask yourself, do I trust this person? Well, I do trust this person, so maybe I need to listen to them. So make sure there's always tears, timing, and trust. Okay, so you've got a mentor. You're looking for an encourager. You need a confronter, because we all need somebody to shows those blind spots, but then you also need an intercessor. This is such an important person in your life. Somebody will pray for you. Some of you can call up and say, this is what I'm struggling with, and this is what I need in my life. And all, that person is willing to pray for you and to keep that information confidential. James 5.16 says, confess your sins to each other. And that's a very trusted act. And pray for each other so that you may be healed for the earnest prayer of a righteous person, somebody who's right with God because they've told God they're sorry, has great power and produces wonderful 
results. You need people who will weep with you and people who will rejoice with you so that they might pray with you. Listen, it's important for you to have people that want, love your dream. Man, I don't want just anybody praying for me. If you're a hater, I don't want you praying for me. I don't even want you talking to God about me. But if you're somebody who loves me and cares for me, and I can share with you my dream, and all of a sudden you're lighting up and you're praying with God about it, then, man, you're a very special gift to the body of Christ. A lot of people can pray with you when you're down, but they can't rejoice with you when you're up. And you need to be able to have both in your life. I uh, am 56 years of age, and I have known a lot of people in my life. But I've got about three men on this planet that I can share any information with. And I know they'll pray for me and they'll keep it silent. I know I can call, call a man named Dwayne, a pastor over in Denver up, and, I, and talking with him, and I've got a, years and years of history with him, I can say, Dwayne, you know, as a guy, I'm struggling with this right now. Would you please pray with me about that? And I know he's not going to tell his wife about it. I mean, he's taking that information to the grave. If I say to him, I, I need this in my life, or here's my dream, and would you get on board with me in agreement with this? I know he's going to do that. Here's one way that you can tell whether or not you have a person that will pray for you. When you tell them something's great going on in your life, if their eyes light up and they're like, woohoo, if you say, hey man, I just bought a new truck, and they say, new truck, woo, let's go sit in it and smell the leather, man, cool. That's somebody who can tell your dreams to. But if you tell them you just bought a new truck and they say, well, I'm still driving around that 63-year-old beater. Okay, shut up and don't tell them another thing. Because if they can't rejoice with you when you rejoice, they're never going to be okay with praying that your blessings far exceed theirs. You and I need people in our lives that will pray for us even though we may become blessed further than they are. And then we turn right around and pray for them so that they might catch back up. An intercessor, very important person to have in your life. And then the last one that we're looking for uh, for our growth is a partner. A partner is someone who will be there for you when you need them. I read a story about an elderly man, and it says this. It says, when you're old and don't move fast anymore. Is that true? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'll look over here. When you're old, you don't move fast anymore. Greg Phillips, an elderly man from Meridian, Mississippi, was going to bed when his wife told him he'd left a light on in the garden shed, which she could see from the bedroom window. So George opened the back door to go turn off the light, but saw that there were people in the shed stealing things. He phoned the police, who asked, is someone in your house? He said, no, but someone's breaking into my garden shed and he's stealing things from me. Then the police dispatcher said, all patrols are busy. You should lock your doors and an officer will be along when one is available. George said, okay. He hung up the phone and then counted to 30, and then he phoned the police again. Hello, I just called you a few seconds ago because there were people stealing things from my shed. Well, you don't have to worry about them, right, uh, them anymore. I just shot and killed both of them, and the dogs are eating them right now, and he hung up the phone. <laughs> Within five minutes, six police cars, a SWAT team, a helicopter, two fire trucks, a paramedic, and an ambulance showed up at the Phillips residence and caught the burglars red-handed. One of the policemen said to George, I thought you said you shot them. <laughs> and George said, I thought you said no one was available. <laughs> no, I just want to, yeah, that's good. That's good. I just want to give a disclaimer to all the police officers at Ten Fellowship Church on a regular basis. I didn't think that was funny. Okay? All right. <laughs> yeah. He drives a black pickup with hey. license number BR549. 
you know, partner someone who's going to be there for you, um, even if it's inconvenient for them. They're gonna, they're not gonna uh, willing to let you go through difficult times on your own. You know, I hope every person in this room finds a partner in life, someone who, you know, if you got to go through something difficult, they're sitting right there next to you. If you're sitting out at the waiting room of a hospital, waiting on a loved one, you got someone sitting there with you. Yeah. I mean, our first verse today, Ecclesiastes 4, talked about the fact that two are better than one. We need other people with us in those times. And, and here's the thing about a partner, really any of these other relationships, is that y- you need to start these relationships before you need them. Because worst case scenario is you find yourself in a tragedy where you need someone who's going to be there with you and, and you, don't, you haven't built that relationship with you. So you've got to find this relationship. You've got to work on it. You've got to begin developing it. Now, I, I'm so honored to have so many people in my life that I know wouldn't let me go through a difficult time on my own. But I think more than any other person I know, my wife is my partner. You know, she loves me to the point to where even if she doesn't understand what I'm going through, she's not going to let me go through it alone. She's going to be there with me. She's going to be praying for me. If I'm happy, she's rejoicing. If I'm sad, she's sad with me. And we need people like that. I wonder, do you have anyone who won't let you walk through the fire alone? It's interesting because I, I walked into a man's office one day and I saw this weird picture of a turtle on a fence post. I don't know if you've seen it. We got this picture here. And underneath the picture was a sign that said, if you ever see a turtle on a fence post, you know he didn't get there alone. (laughs) And guys, when it comes to our spiritual growth, if you see a person growing, you know he didn't get there on his own. You know, God shows us we need relationships in our lives. We need all of these different types of relationships in our lives. And I'd like to put the five points back up on the screen. And in closing today, to look at these, I want to just ask you to think right now for a moment. Do you have these different relationships in your life? Can you think, do I have a mentor right now? Do I have someone who's an encouragement to me right now? Do I have someone who will confront me and call me on the carpet? Do I have someone praying for me? Do I have someone who won't let me go through life alone? And then flip the same question and ask it again. Maybe I'm in a stage right now where I should be a mentor to someone. Is there someone I'm pouring into and developing over time? Am I being an encouragement to other people? You know, is there a confrontation I need to have with some loved ones, some close people to me? Am I praying for other people? Am I being a partner for other people? You might look at one of these and say, you know what, there's a blank there. I don't have that. Well, here's what you do. Number one, you start praying first off, God, please give me this relationship. I need an encourager in my life. I need someone who come along and then start being that, per- that person to another person. Start encouraging them. And then the last thing is we give you so many opportunities here. And and don't be passive about it. If you need one of these relationships, go sign up for one of our small groups, one of our classes or something, where you can begin developing these. So you're not getting to a point where you need the encouragement and you're hoping someone will, but you already have those people set up in your life. Cool. All right, so bow your heads with me a minute. Let me ask you a question. Close your eyes. If you have a mentor in your life, you have someone that mentors you. Would you raise your hand, slip it up? You thank God for those people and the time that they take. They're so important. Pray for them. If you have an encourager in your life, would you raise your hand, slip it up real high? That's a very special person, a fun person, and I hope they make you laugh. Do you have a confronter in your life? If you have a confronter, would you raise your hand? Okay, guys, it can't be your wife. Because that's like in her DNA, that was baked in the cake. You have somebody else other than your wife that is your confronter, you need to have that. Somebody will tell you the last 2%. They will help you so much in the blind areas that all of us, all of us have. Do you have an intercessor? 
If you have an intercessor, would you raise your hand? Oh, guys, get somebody who can pray with you about anything. And do you have a partner? Would you raise your hand if you have a partner in this life? Father, for every person in here who could not raise their hand on one of these five characteristics, and friends that they so desperately need to be able to do life correctly, to be able to get to that next, that next level, I pray you bring them into our lives. Until then, we would be that to other people. And then we'll sow what we reap. We reap financially and sow financially in the kingdom work of God. We reap finances. We sow friendship. We reap friendship. So, Father, bless everyone in this room that we might have these type of people in our life to do life with. And then, Father, I pray you bless us that we might be those people. Bless our church, Father. Bless everyone in this room that we might do life the way you want us to do it. It's in Jesus' precious and most powerful name we pray. Amen.